When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot um, and finds the net. On TalkSport 2. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. The WSL returns with Arsenal and Manchester United, the only teams left with a 100% record. Here's Bajek. I know that she can put a ball into the box and she picks out Ella Toon. Perfectly placed header and Manchester United get themselves in front. We'll round up all the action from the weekend as the world of women's football rallies around Chelsea boss Emma Hayes, who announces she's taking time out to recover from an emergency hysterectomy. We've been in contact every day this week and even today. And yeah, she, she's making progress, um, but we'll have to see how, how that goes in the result of her timeline. It's, it's too early to say at the moment. And as the Republic of Ireland make history by qualifying for their first ever World Cup, the team have to apologise after being filmed singing a pro IRA during their celebrations. We have done something that hurt people and it's no excuse that we did not mean to hurt anyone. Um, it's not an excuse that we were celebrating. And congratulations to Alexia Puteas who wins the Ballon d'Or for the second year in a row. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2. Well, well, happy Monday, you lovely lot. A little bit later than usual when the WSL returned this weekend. Molly Hudson, football writer with The Times, is with me to dissect all of the stories from the past week. How are you doing, Mol? Hey, fam, good, thank you. A lot of, lot of fun watching, uh, watching the WSL on the sofa this weekend. Oh, well, that's very rare. At least you didn't need to wrap up warm or take a brolly because the weather was pretty rotten, wasn't it? Uh, listen, we need to kick things off before we even get into the WSL uh, chats about the Ballon d'Or. So, as expected, Alexia Puteas, second year in a row. What did you make of that? Right or wrong awardee? I think we have to all take away a little bit of our English bias, don't we? Because I think it's very easy for us that have kind of sat and watched Beth Mead. We know a lot about her background. We know what she's fought through to get here, even to to be nominated for the Ballon d'Or. The summer that she had, it's very easy to get carried away and then just to forget about this player, Alexia Proteas. Just over the water there, that's been doing pretty fantastic things for Barcelona for so long now. Um, I think we've all we've all noticed that kind of she's the player that really encapsulated what they want to do. And I know they didn't win the Champions League last season, but they did get to the final. Um, and obviously, she was you know they were as as per usual really fantastically dominant in their domestic league. So I think. Yeah, it, it's easy to forget, I think, how good Pateas is because she's been that good for a couple of seasons now. Absolutely. Congratulations to Alexia Puteas. Very well deserved. Don't worry, Beth. Next year. Next year. Uh, now then, before this weekend, only Arsenal, Manchester United and Aston Villa had a 100% record. But Carla Ward's side 
Losing 2-1 to West Ham on Saturday meant theirs disappeared. It was a straightforward 4-0 win, though, for Manchester United. Not so straightforward for Arsenal, but a win nonetheless. So they're level on points at the top of the table. United just ahead of them on goal difference. Victories also for Manchester City, their first of the season. Tottenham, who beat Liverpool. And Chelsea, whose win over Everton leaves them level on points with United and Arsenal. But they have played a game more. Uh, now, Chelsea were also without their manager, Emma Hayes, who announced that she was going to take some time out to rest and recuperate after having an emergency hysterectomy. M Molly, this news, when you heard it um, just before the, the weekend, I think it took everybody by surprise. I think it did. And I think sometimes we forget that, you know, players, managers, anyone in the game is, you know, they're not infallible. We watch them for, for 90 minutes, don't we, on a on a weekend and... You know, they're human beings at the end of the day. And I think it's it's fantastic to see, and I'm sure we'll get onto it in a moment, what, what the, the club as a whole have done for, for Emma Hayes this weekend. And I know, obviously, she's held in, in huge regard there. So I think it's almost a positive that she will have had all of this awful stuff happen to her. But no, she had the clubs back in. She had sort of that comfort, because I suppose there's nothing worse than something like that happening to you and sort of worrying about your job. And I know from, from speaking to people at Chelsea, that won't have been the case at all because they've been so good with her as they always have been. Um, but yeah, it's just just a just a real obviously shame for her personally. And I know she'll she's like the worst, isn't she, on the touchline. She'll be absolutely itching to get back. Um, but obviously needs to rest and recuperate from what is a you know a major operation. Yeah, it, it really is. And we'll get on to what the football club did in a second, but Obviously, we wish Emma all the best and a, and a really speedy recovery because I know she's going to be miss, really miss being out on the grass. But we have to talk about the football, but I really think we have to talk about this as a, as a disease, as a condition that so many people are suffering from as well. It's vitally important to educate people about endometriosis. It's, it's a disease that Emma Hayes says she's got an ongoing battle with and affects so many women, goes completely undiagnosed and ignored, still requires so much awareness to be raised. So here on Women's Football Weekly, we're going to raise it because there's going to be one or more of you listening now, I'm sure, who are suffering yourself or have a partner, a sister, a friend, a colleague who's suffering whether that's diagnosed or, or undiagnosed. And I just want to give you a little bit of insight into exactly what endometriosis is, because I don't think very many people know or understand exactly what it is. So to go a little bit medical on you, it's, it's basically a gynecological condition when tissue similar to the lining inside the uterus or the womb grows in other places outside of the uterus or, or, or womb and can cause real debilitating pain for, for some people. And according to the charity Endometriosis UK, one in 10 women and those assigned female at birth of reproductive age in the UK suffer from endometriosis. That's 10% of women worldwide who have it as well, which is around 176 million. That is enormous. And this is what really shocks me. On average, it takes eight years, just process that for a second, eight years from the start of symptoms to get a diagnosis because the cause is unknown and there's no definite cure. And actually within the medical profession, having friends who, who suffer from it and colleagues as well, it takes so much persistence to get somebody in the medical profession to listen to what people are going through. To bring it back round to, to football, both Chelsea's men's and women's teams, as you as you alluded to, Molly, showed their support for Emma Hayes. They wore training shirts, uh, reading Get Well Soon, Emma, before their matches on Sunday. She was heavily involved in the win over Everton, as you would expect. I could never see her just sitting on the, uh, on the sofa watching things. It finished Everton 1, uh, Chelsea 3. She was on the phone to assistant coach Denise Reddy during that victory. Um, here's what general manager Paul Green had to say after the match. We've been in contact every day this week and even today. And yeah, she, she's making progress, um, but we'll have to see how, how that goes in result of a timeline. It's, it's too early to say at the moment. She was linked in directly to the bench to Denise. Um, so she was in... Um, 
dialogue with her throughout the game and I'm sure it was difficult for her to watch um, at home with probably a 30-40 second delay um, on the feed that she was watching but um, yeah again she's delighted that we've come here and, and uh, got the three points but yeah it's just going to be a challenge for her to watch from home but you know what sort of character she is um, she wants to get back as early as possible but we just need to make sure it's the right time. So Penilla Harder's first game of the season Molly um, she really shone didn't she? Yeah, she's not bad, is she? Um, <laughs> I think I think that's what you you almost forget, don't you, with Chelsea that for actually quite a long period of time since we've talked about this kind of trifecta of of Sam Kerr, Penilla Harder, and Frank Kirby, like quite a lot of that time they haven't all been fit, and I think actually it's like so so this weekend, for example, Penilla Harder was fit for the first time this season. Frank Kirby was out with illness, so I think. Chelsea are still performing sort of under that real potential that they can have when everyone is fit and firing. And I think that's what's been so impressive of the likes of Sam Kerr, Harder, Kirby. They've stepped up when they needed to step up. And that was a prime example of that at the weekend. I think particularly in the first half, Everton were really good. They caused a lot of problems with their formation, with their movement. I think Jess Park has looked fantastic. Obviously, she got our England call up. So she must be full of confidence at the moment, which is great to see from a young player. But Chelsea did what they always do. They found a way to win. And uh, I don't know if you saw it, but that Neve Charles goal, can we talk about that? What was that? Yes, please. <laughs> delightful, delightful. Just uh, just not the person at all you would have expected to score <laughs> that goal from Chelsea. But I think it just shows, you know, they've got that quality all over the pitch. And you just can't give them time. You can't give them space because that's what will do to you. And I think, you know, it's important to get that win because as much as we know they're very sort of organised in terms of what happened, I think it was like a, a week after um, Emma's hysterectomy that the statement was actually released. So they'd had plenty of time to kind of get it ready, get it organised, everyone on the same page. But obviously Denise Reddy on the touchline, Paul Green, who we've just heard there, is doing media duties. So there is a there is obviously, you know, changes that have gone on there in the past week. And I think they'll have been relieved to just get that first one out of the way, get the communication going with Emma. Um, and of course she was she was involved. Um and yeah, I think from from now on they'll be, although the games don't get any easier, they'll at least be sort of more comfortable in that sort of new formula that that will go on for, you know, as long as it takes for, for Emma to recover. Yeah, you say they don't get any easier. PSG in the Champions League on Thursday for Chelsea. Uh, by the way, from an Everton uh, point of view, obviously their goal came from an own goal from Kadisha Buchanan for, for the equaliser before Harder got a penalty and then Neve Charles, as, as you said, Molly, with that uh, stunner towards the end of the game. Um, Brian Sorensen still trying to really work out the best um, team that he's got and what to do said afterwards we need to take our chances we're not there yet but we'll keep working what what else can they do uh, and one other point on that um, a record crowd of 1,668 at Walton Hall Park I was a little bit disappointed with that I thought there was I thought they'd broken that before I'll, ad I'll address the on-pitch one first. And <laughs> I, think, I just threw two at you there. <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's exactly what, what Brian said. They need to take the chances because there was a period in that game where they were on top. And I think what we have seen from Chelsea this season, and whether it's from Buchanan, who I have to say I expected a bit more from than what we've seen so far. Made I know a few mistakes this season already. Yeah, and I know I know it can be really difficult um, when you come to the Women's Super League. And actually, Emma's mentioned it a lot, that she tries to give players a sort of bedding-in period. And she hasn't really with Buchanan. And whether that's because she's such a big player, she's such a good player that you expect she can come straight in. And clearly, they're persisting with that. But I think, and you know, the own goal was one of those where you can't do a lot about it. I don't think you can blame her, in a sense, for the own goal. It's more just... Her general play still looks a little bit uncertain. I think it, it will just take time, but yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, and I think that that's that's what that's what Everton had to do. They had to capitalise on those opportunities that they got because you know, whether it's against Arsenal, whether it's against Chelsea, any of those top teams, you're not going to get many chances. And when you get them, you have to take them. And I think that's, you know, we've already seen it this season where Liverpool played Chelsea. They didn't have a huge amount of opportunities, but they took them when they got them and they won the game. You know, it's not impossible to do it, but you have to take those chances. By the way, to round off the um, endometriosis chat, if you are suffering or know somebody that 
that is and doesn't quite know exactly what, what's going on. There are so many places that you can get information, including, as I said, end Endometriosis uh, UK, which is a, a charity. And uh, we wish you all the best, but do not be concerned in terms of support because there is plenty of support out there and, and plenty of people who absolutely understand uh, what you're going through. Uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, Faker Others and the Times football writer Molly Hudson. Uh, with you coming up, we're going to analyse Manchester United and Arsenal's performances from the weekend. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hello, this is Kelly Chambers from Red FC Women. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Rothers, and The Times' is Molly Hudson is alongside me. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the Talk Sport app, so you can just go ahead and download it today. Uh, now, we're going a bit back to front today, but hey-ho, it's, uh, it's our show, isn't it? We can do exactly what we like. And uh, the final match of the WSL weekend finished Reading nil, Arsenal 1. Stina Blackstenius with the only goal of the game, set up by Kim Little, who missed a penalty in the second half. Arsenal hit the woodwork twice. Reading also hit the woodwork as well. Uh, first of all, let's hear what Arsenal's manager Jonas Eideval had to say after the victory. He spoke to Sky Sports. I was pleased. I think we created enough scoring opportunities to score a second goal. Uh, whenever you only have one goal, it's always going to be a little bit more, uh, I don't know, etching in the, in the last minutes of the game. But I think we controlled it Overall, very well. I think it was very well deserved that we won, so uh, no complaints there. Molly, what did you make of this game? It was tighter than I thought it would be. Um, I think we've seen Reading have struggled um, so far, but they they put up a real fight against Arsenal, um, particularly in the in the second half. There were a few moments where, if it were not for Manuela Zinsberger, it it could well have been a draw. Um, there were there were a few chances there. I think again, it's a lot like what we said earlier. When you get those chances against a big team, you have to take them, and Reading didn't. So I think in that aspect, Kelly Chambers will be a bit disappointed. But I think as a whole, they will take a huge amount from that game to go toe-to-toe with an Arsenal team that are unbeaten. Um, obviously, that this result was their record-breaking ninth clean sheet in a row. Um, you know, fantastic team, but I think... You did see there was a little bit disjointed. It was what it was one of those days where where poor Beth Mead, she ran for every ball, and not just nothing was falling for her. Um, I actually thought Kim Little had a had a brilliant game again. Um, and was one of the more composed players on the ball, and then then she missed a penalty. Um, so I completely understand why Kelly Smith had a bit of a struggle naming a, a player of the match at the end of the game. Um, but I think again they look they just found a way to win, didn't they? And I think. It'll be really interesting to see how, with the Champions League coming up as well in midweek, you know, we mentioned Chelsea have got PSG, Arsenal have got Lyon. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how the the lack of Leah Williamson and Hafaeli affects them. Mm. Still no points for Reading, but an encouraging performance, as, as you said, for Kelly Chambers' side. Uh, they have West Ham on Sunday looking to get their first points on the board this season. Uh, now, Manchester United 4, Brighton nil, a ninth successive home win in the league for Mark Skinner's side. Ella Toon with the two first half goals. Leah Galton made it three before half-time and Adriana Leon finished off the route 10 minutes from time. I mean, I've really enjoyed Manchester United this season, Molly. I think Ella Toon was fantastic again. I mean, she's really brought that, that form in from England to Manchester United They've started really well. I think, you know, we, I suppose, Reading is a good example that Arsenal really struggled with them. Um, and, you know, Manchester United sort of made a lot easier work of it earlier on in the season. I think, but, uh, look, we, we we spoke at the start of the season. It's so important for Manchester United to get into the Champions League. And to be right up there at the moment, I, I still don't think they're going to go on and win the Women's Super League, ultimately. But to be in that reckoning early in the season will give them confidence. And then if they do drop down a little bit, it's sort of a better position to be in, right, than to, to be at the top and drop down and still make the Champions League than it is to sort of have, have to be in the position where Manchester City are, which is where they're already having to chase 
you don't want to be in that position. It puts puts so much pressure on you. Every single point, you've got it. You've literally got to win every single point. Um, I think the acquisitions that United have made in the summer have been really good. Um, early on in the season, um, I think Adriana Leon got on the the score sheet at the weekend. Um, I want to talk in a moment about Myla Tidier and the impact that she's not only had on Manchester United but also on Brighton. I think in leaving. Um, and yeah, so so I think although we were critical of them in the summer, and I know their fans will be critical, and I know they'll still say to me, Molly, yeah, we've won some games, but it doesn't mean anything. They could have probably spent more, but I don't think you can really fault the start of the season that they've had. Well, you're going to have your chance to have your thoughts on my Letizia in a second, because another clean sheet United. They're yet to concede this season, in fact. And before the match, our reporter Bradley Hayden caught up with United defender Maya Letizia, talking about her and the club's ambitions and how she's settled in since that move from Brighton. Our aim is to win, um, no matter what, what it is. We don't go into any game thinking, oh, let's try and I don't get a draw. We always want to win and, and get three points. So that's our aim. It's, it's just a win. And obviously, if we win, then we'll get Champions League. But yeah. It's, it's going to be tough, obviously. There's some great teams in the league, but I think we can do it with the squad that we have. It's it's great. And the environment and the culture that's here with the staff and the players is fantastic. So we've got got good foundations. I've loved working with Mark so far. Um, He's great. He's got such good energy and enthusiasm and he really wants to make us better as, as a team and as players. And I think it really brushes off on us. And you can kind of see the, the, the desire and the fight that we have for the club and... I think we just want to do well and we want to keep on winning. Yeah, it's it's a really good atmosphere and kind of vibe um, in this team. And I think a lot of credit goes to the staff and kind of the culture that the team have set before I was I even came in. Brighton and United play a completely different playing style, so I've had to adjust. But he's put his confidence in me and I, it's just my job to kind of repay it back. But yeah, no, I've loved working with him and, and the rest of the staff. And I think credit to the girls as well. They've been great with me and helping me improve because... Obviously, I'm still young, so I've still got a lot to improve on. Really great to hear from Maya Letizia. Really grounded youngster and an absolute superstar, Molly. Yeah, I interviewed her last season, actually, and I, I felt much the same. She's very grounded. She's very down to earth. She, she she was quite funny talking about when she was a young player, how she used to smash the boys and she loved, loved playing against them. Um, And I think for me, it, you look at that Brighton team and, and over the last couple of years under Hope Powell, they haven't always scored a lot of goals, but they've always had a really solid defence. And I think that's where this season they've already shipped a lot of goals. And, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, how, how much of a difference really did my Lissagier make? And sometimes you only realise when a player leaves quite how good they are, don't you? And I think she's not only had a fantastic start to life at Manchester United, but she's also... Uh, that loss has really been felt, I think, at Brighton and... I still think they've got plenty there to stay up. They've got Powell, who's obviously a hugely experienced manager, completely you would trust in. But I think it will be a little bit harder for them this season to kind of, they were sort of mixing it as that mid-table sort of team trying to break in, weren't they? And I don't think the start they've had, at least, we know things can can change. I think Reading went on a seven-game unbeaten streak last season. Um, but yeah, they've, they've not had maybe as good a start to the season as they would have hoped they would have. Yeah, absolutely. So Manchester United and Arsenal's 100% records remain intact, but West Ham proved the stumbling block for Aston Villa, who suffered their first defeat of the season on Saturday. It finished Aston Villa 1, West Ham 2. Both these teams clearly trying to take attention away from Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall's fight on Saturday night. Uh, Dagny Brinis-Dortier, Honaker Hayashi's early goals put West Ham ahead. Alicia Lehman then had a penalty against her own old side saved before Kenza Dali halved the deficit. Um, West Ham's Howard Sissoko and manager Paul Koncheski were sent off. It was a little bit of a feisty one, I think, is an understatement to say, Mol. It was just chaos, wasn't it? I was actually at um, Fulham Bournemouth in the Premier League and I was sort of watching this all unfurl while I was just waiting for that game to kick off. And I was just thinking, what is going on? I mean, it, start, it started off with the, the penalty that you mentioned, Lehman took the penalty, which Carla Ward, her manager, was absolutely fuming about because Rachel Daly is supposedly the designated penalty taker. Obviously been in fantastic form for Villa. So why she didn't take that, 
we don't quite know. <laughs> Wardy said it was going to be dealt with internally, um, but also made quite clear externally that she wasn't too happy about it. Um, and then, yeah, that was the that was the kind of pre-show. That was the undercard to, um, yes, how was Sissoko? Um, it wasn't a punch. Let's let's clarify that. Um, she sort of pushed Sarah Mailing away with her hands in a way that she definitely shouldn't have done. Um, there was a little bit of a lead up to that as well. I think Mailing had pushed her. It was a little bit of retaliation. She clearly overstepped the line massively, got sent off. Um, then it turned into a into a sort of mass brawl on her way off with both of the benches getting involved. As you say, Koncheski got sent off. Um, sad- what else happened with Paul Koncheski? Because that there were a few allegations flying around. Have we actually had any clarification? So Paul Koncheski in the referee's notes was sent off for aggressive behaviour, not for violent conduct, whereas... How Sissoko was sent off for violent conduct. So there were a few rumours flying around on social media that Koncheski had punched somebody, which is not the case. Um, that has been confirmed by both Villa and West Ham that that didn't happen. Um, I think it was just more sort of pushy, shovey. Everyone was getting involved, weren't they, um, on the touchline? But I the think definition was... of a melee. A yeah, of a melee. Mm. Exactly. One of them. Um, and I think also it's important to say that despite the fact that, you know, Sissoko was obviously wrong and she said that. She's also tweeted that she was the victim of, of racial abuse in, on social media in the in the kind of aftermath of all this. And I think, you know, again, how many times have we said it that you almost expect it and that feels wrong to even say. But oh, it, that ma- it makes me angry because one of my own Luton players, Elijah Adebayo, was was racially abused on on Instagram over the weekend. We've heard Ivan Tony uh, put in yet another complaint. Something. I, I look. I'm I'm fed up with saying something has to be done, but something seriously, seriously has to be done. I do think we're at. Well, I don't know if you find this that when something happens, whether it's a bad refereeing error, whether it's a a goalkeeper error, whether it's someone sent off. When that clip, that video, becomes mainstream, it goes to a whole bunch of fans that don't normally watch women's football. And sadly, there is also the section of fans that quite often are responsible for sending abuse to players. And I think we have a real problem with that, that on social media, you can't you can't do anything about that. You know, when, when that video goes out, it, it's, it's spread, you know, it's it's gone viral on social media. And then all of the hate and the abuse pause in and I think that you know that that ha- as you say we've said it so many times but it has to be has to be down to the social media companies to 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 try and stop some of that getting to the player really because they're they're so vulnerable there as you know just having an account like the rest of us yeah absolutely uh, right you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with Faker Others and Molly Hudson up next we're going to discuss the rest of the WSL action and check out what's been going on in the championship and elsewhere there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. I'm Mary Earps. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothers and Molly Hudson from The Times. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or if you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so just go ahead and download it today. Uh, now then, Manchester City 4, Leicester 0. Gareth Taylor's side picking up their first win of the season. Two goals from Bunny Shaw, one from Hemp and Hasagawa with another. Alex Greenwood seems to be catching this weekend. Uh, Mr. Penalty. Um, Leicester still without a point, though. Uh, City have Spurs, Liverpool and Reading to come. So could potentially get themselves moving up the table, Molly. What did you make of their performance? Yeah, I think so. And I think they are generally getting themselves moving after a bit of a slow start. I think I was really impressed with Yui Hasegawa, who I think we knew was a was a good player, but it's going to take her a little bit of time to to kind of change the style from a team like West Ham to a team like Man City, who, you know, always want the ball. And I think in the long term, that'll play to our strengths, but it's taken a little time for that sort of transition to happen. And it seemed like, you know, that was really starting to starting to see those connections on the pitch this weekend, which I think is really positive for City. As you mentioned, they've got a good run. I think it's all about getting as many points as they possibly can until they then face, you know, a Chelsea or an Arsenal again. And then it's it's another big test, isn't it? Yeah, looking bleak for Leicester and Lydia Bedford, though, isn't it? We're still without a point. Is there any hope for them coming up? What's what, What's not clicking? I think we said before the season started, didn't we, that we thought it might be between Reading and Leicester of who's struggling and, you know, season so far has, has, has proved us right, I'm afraid. Um, I think Leicester have, they've been okay. I think that, that game against Everton, they really deserve something out of that. They'll be absolutely gutted that they didn't get anything. Um, and then, yeah, this look, this weekend they were just beaten by the better side. And I don't think games like Manchester City are the ones that are going to define their season. It's going to be the... You know, we saw last season they pretty much had a relegation six-pointer with Birmingham. They won, they stayed up. And it's probably going to be the same again. That, you know, looking ahead, that Leicester-Reading game will be absolutely massive for both sides. Yeah, it really will. Um, Spurs won, Liverpool nil. Nifahi's own goal after 11 minutes. Hit the woodwork twice as well. Seventh in the table. It was a, a dominating performance from a Tottenham point of view. It was dominating. It was a pretty scrappy goal. Um, I sort of saw that this morning. Thought that that wasn't great, was it? But they won't mind. They all count. It was in the back of the net. Um, and yeah, I think again, it'll be interesting to see whether Tottenham can do a bit like what we were saying with Brighton earlier. Can they really challenge this season, or is it going to be? I really thought they would do. You know, under Rian Skinner, especially after showing such promising signs last season, but. I don't know that they're, they're, they're seventh. They've they've still got quite a bit of work to do. I feel it seems like Man United are going to be the big mover this season. That are really trying to interrupt that top three. And we've been saying for a while, you know, who is it going to be that's in that top four? And at the moment, early season looks like United. Yeah, it really does. What what more do we need to see from Spurs? Bearing in mind the quality that they've got, I think it's consistency, and it's actually very similar to the frustration that Hope Powell had with Brighton last season. You know, they've got the capabilities now. These teams have got good quality players, particularly Spurs, who actually had a pretty good summer in terms of recruitment. They just need to deliver now. And I think, you know, it's a positive that they got the point against Liverpool in a game where, yes, they had plenty of chances, but, you know, they didn't take a lot of them. So it's good that they still got the 1-0. Um, but I think, yeah, Rian Skinner will just be looking for that consistency really to make sure that they take as many points as they can outside of those sort of top three or four and then they've shown that they can really compete with them on a day um I think they will have been pretty gutted with the way that they lost that North London derby I know she wasn't happy with with the way they played that day and that's got to be a bit of a confidence hit so early in the season Liverpool though just with that opening win against Chelsea, which surprised many. I think it actually surprised Matt Beard and, and Liverpool in, in in many ways. But you alerted me to this, Molly, and this kind of stuff just, just upsets me so much. Friend of the show, Jilly Flaherty, obviously 
ex-West Ham, now up at Liverpool, um, tweeted this out. Joining a new team is hard in the first place, but to not be approved of by the fans and to just get slaughtered on social media after most games by your own fans is awful. I've never cared about opposition fans doing it, but when it's your own fans, it's another level with emojis on that as well. I, I really feel for Jilly. What is wrong with people? If you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. There's my nan. I couldn't have put it there myself. Um, well done to your nan. I think, um, look, I, I think it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because obviously, Jilly, we mentioned that she's former West Ham, obviously has a, a big tie with Matt Beard, um, went up to Liverpool, obviously got huge WSL experience, which I know is something that Matt spoke to us, didn't he, when he was on the show the other week. It's a, it's a big thing that he wanted to bring in the squad. Obviously, Jilly's got loads of that, big personality, you know, fantastic player. So, yeah, it's a real shame to see that sort of, I suppose, creeping into the, the women's game now, whether it's because there's more spotlight on the games. Maybe there's more fans that, you know, haven't watched Women's Super League that much, probably sort of don't respect Jilly as a player, which is a shame because we know, you know, she's been a fantastic player over the years. And yeah, just, yeah, you just don't want to be seeing that, do you? We love you, Jilly. Absolutely. You are absolutely superb. Uh, right, let's look at the championship, shall we? Um, Shania um, Hales has scored twice for Bristol City in the 3-1 win over Sheffield United, which is four in five games now. They top the table, as I say. Uh, that game was at Bramall Lane as well, um, which was interesting in itself. Sunderland ended a five-game winless streak to beat Crystal Palace 2-0. They dropped to fourth. Uh, Charlton drew two all with Blackburn. Durham 2-1 winners over Lewis. Li uh, London City Lionesses are second, beating Coventry 5-0. Coventry still rock bottom. And I feel as if there's quite a bit to say about Coventry very soon, uh, Molly. But the championship, interesting and fascinating and topsy-turvy as always. Yeah, I was going to say, we seem to say it every week, don't we, when we talk about a championship. It, it And it showed already that the Palace, a team that put a lot of investment over the summer, they're down in fourth. And I think it just shows that, that you can't take anything for granted in that division. It's such a difficult division to get out of. I think, yeah, as you mentioned, Coventry United are, are already quite a way off. And I think there was one miracle escape last year. I'm sorry to say I don't think there's going to be one this year. Mm, absolutely interesting stuff going on further down the pyramid as as well especially when you talk about great great escapes there are a lot of teams waiting in the wings to get their opportunity in the championship nottingham forest uh one of them and record breakers an attendance of 5082 at the city ground in the fa women's uh northern premier division that's a record uh, for the FAWNL, which is absolutely incredible. It was a, a local derby against Derby, always a feisty affair for sure. But, I mean, that's incredible. Now, I might be wrong because math isn't my strong suit, but I think that attendance of over 5,000 is bigger than any we saw in the Women's Super League this weekend. Interesting. I think. Um, so it shows with the right marketing, yes, of course, it's a one-off game, it's at a big stadium, it's a local derby, but it shows it can be done. And I think that's what I've been been so impressed with. We've seen Reading um, had their record attendance at Arsenal yesterday, the game we mentioned earlier on. Um, and there was a few that they've sort of been spread around. It's not just, it hasn't just been those big landmark games. It's sort of the regular attendances are getting higher and higher. And that's something that's so important to see that real Euros legacy, not just the big games, the big teams, the ones with lionesses. It's the other games. It's women's football as a whole that's really growing. And I think you see that, you know, right across the divisions. And we never have time to talk about it every week, but there's so many good stories and good teams out there. And, you know, they're they're all growing. Yeah. Newcastle United women are going back to St. James's Park for their second ever match at the end of November. Uh, they play in the FA National Women's League Division 1 North. Um, I mean, they're looking for another massive attendance. 22,000, if you remember, watched that inaugural match in the stadium in, in May 2022, which is absolutely incredible when, when you look at it. But what I actually find quite fascinating about this, and there are going to be a lot of people who are you know, very anti this happening. But you're looking here 
at two teams in Nottingham Forest and in Newcastle who both have relatively new owners investing heavily in their teams. And again, money could end up, you know, making a big difference here. And that's something that is very difficult to uh, to absorb for a lot of women's football fans because many of us don't think that that is necessarily right but actually for the growth of the game investment is really key and these two huge clubs you know with with massive histories in terms of their men's teams wanting to get involved in in the women's game what are your thoughts on it molly i know the fa are looking to expand the leagues, um, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later because they're aware there is a big logjam of clubs trying to come up, particularly that jump from from tiers three into the championship is the, the big logjam really. Um, and I know they are um, looking at expanding that hopefully. And I think those two clubs that you mentioned, Newcastle and Nottingham, I'm sure they'd be right up there in terms of looking for licences for that division. I think... And we say this about every facet of women's football, whether it's sponsorship or broadcast rights, you can make such a big difference with a relatively small amount of money. That that amount of money that they're injecting into the women's side, whether it's Newcastle or whether it's Nottingham Forest, is not even a player now in the Premier League. And that can like transform a whole club, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. But it's also such a sort of quick thing that, somebody of that wealth an owner of that wealth doesn't even have to think about is more than you know a club like Lewis for example or Durham in the championship mm. sort of ever imagined just having a you know quick million pounds to spend so off you go absolutely you're listening to Women's Super Weekly on Talk Sport 2 I'm Faker Brothers Molly Hudson's alongside me uh, next up we're going to look at what happened in the World Cup qualifiers Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Frank Kirby, and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. Me, Faker Others, and The Times football writer Molly Hudson. We are available on podcast as well. Do not forget. Uh, plenty of places that you can go ahead and download us but first head to the TalkSport app to find us and you can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. Uh, Now the World Cup playoffs were full of drama and in the end it was the Republic of Ireland who qualified for their first ever World Cup after beating Scotland 1-0 on Tuesday night. Amber Barrett scoring the winner at Hampton Park. Before we discuss what happened in the aftermath, let's hear from the goal scorer who spoke to Talk Sports, David Tanner. Amber, many congratulations. You've just written your name into the Irish history books. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I can't believe it. Um, although I don't want to say that I've written my name. I think we've written our name. I think Ireland's in a, a major tournament, something that's been... We have waited a long, long time to say that. And there's so many people here, you know, that from... I've seen a lady down there who's wearing the first ever cap from an international game for Ireland. And to, for her to be here today, it just means so much. And I can't believe it. I'm I'm absolutely lost for words. What a goal. Have you scored many better than that? I've scored a couple in training during the week with quite quite good now. But they turned the camera off for them once. But no, in terms of size and magnitude, no, I never will. I never will again. Now, we had hoped to be celebrating this fantastic achievement by speaking to one of the players or, in fact, the manager, Vera Powell. But the Football Association of Ireland aren't putting anybody up to speak anymore because UEFA is investigating potential inappropriate behaviour by some of the players after a video emerged of them singing a song containing a pro-IRA chant in the dressing room after the game. There were a number of apologies in the immediate aftermath. Uh, Let's hear from manager Vera Powell and first... Chloe Mustaki, both of them spoke to Sky Sports News last week. Look, we're all really sorry here um, in Dublin. Obviously, massive lapse in judgment on our end. Um, you know, lots going on when the final whistle went and we absolutely didn't mean to cause any hurt on our end. So we, we do really apologise for that, absolutely. We have done something that hurt people. And it's no excuse that we did not mean to hurt anyone. Um, it's not an excuse that we were celebrating. Um, our key value is that we respect people. So I truly I truly apologise from the deepest of my heart that we've hurt one. If we did not intend it or not, we should have known better. It's such a shame because something so uh, 
historical, monumental, amazing uh, for the Republic of Ireland to qualify for their first ever World Cup in Australia and New Zealand next year, Molly, has been massively overshadowed. It has, and I think that's what's a real shame, really, that I think, of course, it's something that the players have to understand, but I think reality is they probably didn't understand the reality of what they were singing about, and I think... It's a lot like when we discussed the the whole flying to Dubai situation during the COVID pandemic with some of the women's Super League players. They just didn't think about it before posting it on social media. It's, it's bad enough doing something that you shouldn't be doing, but then to post it on social media is like another level of, I suppose, naivety is the only word for it, really. And I think that was the case here. I think it was on one of the players' Instagram lives. Obviously, has been picked up, um, and then as social media is, it spreads, and obviously that has that has all come from this. So I think it is a real shame because you know it's a fantastic achievement, and yeah, it it really has been overshadowed by the aftermath of it all. Yeah, it it, it has, and hopefully we will be able at some point when UEFA have done their investigations. We can't talk too much about it for now while the investigations are are going on, and hopefully we will get to speak to some players afterwards um, and at some point soon lessons well definitely lessons have been learned already I'm sure um, and then we can look ahead to to what's going to be an incredible tournament for them but again social media I mean to be honest they shouldn't have been chanting in the in, in the first place There's, that's point one as they have since apologized for and then point two is Molly's point on on, on social media Scotland and Wales out, though, didn't make it. Uh, Caroline Weir missed a penalty for Scotland. And um, Scotland's Leanne Crichton uh, since has really appeared to criticise manager Pedro Martinez-Losa, saying that his team selection was suspect, some some questions over his tactics uh, as well, Molly. I think it's it's difficult, isn't it? I think you look at that Scotland squad and you see that there's there's real... There's real potential there. And I think it'll have just been such a frustration for Scotland to get so close. We saw them at the World Cup in 2019. And I don't know how the, the players recovered that from that because it was such a horrible way to go out. And I think it's such a shame to see that they won't be part of this World Cup because we saw what they really brought to that tournament. And, you know, players like Caroline Weir, I mean, we don't we don't even have time to talk about players in, in the Women's Super League, let alone players abroad, but she has been absolutely fantastic for Real Madrid. So just not seeing her in the World Cup alone is is such a shame. Not seeing Jess Fishlock in the World Cup as well. Gutted for Wales after, you know, pushing themselves so much last week. It was a two one defeat in the end to to Switzerland, just not enough to to, to qualify. Heartbreaking really that they missed out on yet another tournament. Yeah, it was, and it was the manner of it, as you say, to 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 go one goal up, um, and then yeah, to lose it, a hundred and twenty first minute goal. Um, you have to be absolutely gutted for someone like Jess Fishlock as well. Such a fantastic career coming to the end of it. I think it'll it'll hurt even more. Yeah, it really will. Uh, listen, I want to close off the show by giving a massive shout out and and round of applause to the magnificent. Claire Rafferty, who is a a friend of the show, former England defender, of course, West Ham and and Chelsea as well. Really brave interview she gave with women in football over the weekend that's really important, again, to to highlight talking about um, eating disorders and the impact that that has on so many people's lives. And we started the show talking about endometriosis, which affects so many women but eating disorders something else that affects so many people and for somebody like Raf to come out and and talk about it and and make it such a, a raw explanation of what's been going on with her and we've we've talked to Raf before about her ADHD diagnosis and what that means for for her life going forward and how she's managing managing that it was such a brave article to, to read, Molly, and really important for a lot of people, perhaps who are suffering behind closed doors, who, who've who've not admitted to, to anything, that have had struggles. And we know from what Raf has, has talked about in terms of, you know, almost feeling as if she was at Fat Club being weighed every every five minutes to, to, to check how she was and how that kind of ingrains 
in you, it, it's vital that we have these conversations to help as many people as we can. It is, and I think there's a particular link in sport, not just female sport, but men's sport as well, that that real, to be an athlete, you have to be completely obsessive, right? And then to therefore have that, to go over that line to be then too obsessive, to to kind of have an eating disorder, it's it's something that affects a lot of, lot of athletes. And I know there's players in the Women's Super League before that have openly talked about it. I know Farrah Williams has talked about how uncomfortable it was at times in those environments where your weight was monitored so much. And I think we have to really learn that. And I, I hope, and I think we do now at that level, particularly England level. And I, I can only hope that that's replicated across the teams in the Women's Super League and lower down as well, but that you have to understand that there's all sorts of different factors that, that can affect your weight and simply sort of measuring it and saying you have to be less isn't isn't enough. It's not good enough. And it's not as detailed as it needs to be to understand why these things happen. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's hugely brave for Raph. And, you know, she's, she's been fantastic sort of at the end of her career, openly talking, as you say, she, she talked about other um, issues as well. And I think for people like her, people like Emma Hayes, the more we can, the more we can talk about these things, the better, because, there's so many young girls and women and, you know, probably current players that are having those exact same struggles that will really benefit from that. Absolutely. And and plenty of people listening, I'm sure, that will be able to to take heart from the fact that that, that other people are with them and, and can support them because there are so many people going through so much. And I hope in some way this show has, has helped anybody that, that, that does need it out there. Um, Molly, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. I shall see you soon. We'll look forward to dissecting all the Champions League action and WSL action again soon. Uh, thank you to Molly Hudson, producer Will, Maya Letizia, Bradley Hayden, and of course, all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show live, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app, or you can listen back throughout the week. Next here on TalkSport 2, it's the EFL show. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.